0: Hello, lifers. This is Heather Drew, and this is the Life in the Whirlwind podcast. Today is episode 43, and this episode is called You Contain Multitudes. So this is the first part of the Unity of Self uh, series, I guess. I'm not really sure how long this is going to take, but if you listened last episode to episode 42... We talked about a little bit about unity and how we're going to enter into this series on unity of self and unity with others. And what that means and the implications and the purpose and all that. So today is the first episode where we will explore unity with the self. So, here's where we're going to go today for my Linear Thinker listeners. I'll give you a little sneak peek here. The first thing, in this first episode, we're going to talk about three specific things. One is why we do self-work. Two is what we might find when we do it. And three is what is it for? (laughs) So, That might sound a little redundant, but we're going to go for it. Ready? So, um, first starting off with why we do this work. By the way, I've ripped the title shamelessly from uh, Walt Whitman's Song of Myself, by the way. Um, If you've never read that, it's very interesting. It's a very long poem, and there's many different versions of it, but I wish I could say that I created that title myself. It's pretty genius. Uh, I really enjoy... That's one of my favorite lines from the poem. You contain multitudes. So anyway, we're going to be talking about why you contain multitudes and how and what do you do with that. Okay, so the first thing we're going to talk about is why we do this self-unity work. Why do we, you know, look into the self? Why do we discover, try to discover what it is? So I have a teacher who I've mentioned a few times named Jake, and he, uh, he always says, and I think this is from his teacher, actually, I think this is a hand-me-down wisdom, but, um, Jake always says, you are the only person on earth going all the way with you. So from the moment that we are born to the moment that we enter into eternity, we are the only ones on earth who go this entire journey with ourselves. This is kind of a tiny reason. It's important. It's like a sort of simple but true reason why we do self-work and why we know the self. Um, I guess here's the here's the reality is that many people will come and go in our lives and uh, many will stay for a very long time. And even those will uh, not go the entire distance with you. So that's one reason I would say why we do this self work business, why we unify with the self, why we figure out who we are, that kind of thing. Secondly, why we do this is you can tell yourself that this isn't true all day long, but whatever it is that we are doing on this earth, we bring our entire selves into it. We bring our mind, we bring our bodies, we bring our souls, our hearts, our desires, our heartbreaks, our baggage, our fears, our jealous, like all of these things, these You know, when I say you contain multitudes, I'm not joking around. You contain multitudes and every single thing you do, you bring all of that with you. I think a lot of people are unaware of how much they're bringing in to things. But, you know, you can't check your brain at the door. You can't check your body at the door. It's all involved. It's a package deal. The self is a package deal deal. The less aware of precisely what we are bringing, the more dangerous we can become. It's kind of like uh, a three-year-old holding a weapon. They don't know what it's capable of uh, until they do. So it's it's very important. This is why I'm trying to convince you that this very important to understand who we are, and what we contain. Also on this list of why we do this work is that I think with greater self-awareness comes greater responsibility. So it's sort of, you know, if you're the kind of person that gets bored easily, this gives you something to do, (laughs) to have more responsibility, to do more with your life, and to live more... um, awake and aware Uh, but also you know it's just important to consider that this self again because we bring all of ourselves into everything we have a lot of responsibility over that fact it it makes us more responsible uh, to our to our relationships and the things you know our knowledge or lack thereof right self-knowledge or lack thereof. So here's the thing, Um, when we know who we are, when we are more self-aware, when we do this work, we are more aware of how we grow and then we are responsible for that information. We are aware of how we behave when we are out of balance and then we are responsible for that information and then we you know learn what does it look like to move backwards or what do i look like when i'm when i'm falling apart or fragmented or struggling these kinds of things and then we're responsible for that information and then i want you to consider too like what does it look like the more we learn about ourselves the more we learn about what it means to be more whole or non-fractured. And this is sort of like a little bit of a pendulum. We tend to swing back and forth until we sort of understand where the middle is. This fragmentation non-fragmentation pendulum situation. But here's here's why this participation with the self matters is that this does lead to greater unity with self. And like I said last time, last week, uh, greater unity with the self enables greater unity with others and with God. Now with every benefit and reality comes, uh, realistic drawbacks. So as we explore the self, there are obviously going to be some drawbacks. So, like with anything, we might get this false sense of mastery, which kind of kills our openness to mystery. So I kind of always say, like, if you love mastery, you're going to miss the mystery. Uh, it's, It's easy to let mastery crush mystery. So we are foolish if we think that we can ever fully or even comprehensively measure the self, right? Things as vast and oceanic as the self, something that, you know, that contains that kind of multitude. We're fools if we think we can measure it fully or comprehensively. So like with anything, I would suggest this to you. We need to exam examine our motives and our purposes when we do self searching and self-awareness kinds of practices. When we are looking to know ourselves, when we are looking to add this information to our conscious awareness, we are inevitably called to examine our motives and purposes. So keep that in mind. Those are the those aren't quote those aren't all necessarily quote unquote drawbacks, but It's things to be aware of, I suppose, on the other side. Okay, so that's why we do it. Part two, what we may find. So we have a lot of language for the self. So there seems to be this binary understanding of the self, like uh, true self and false self. Some people call this, you know, the soul or the ego, you know, soul versus ego. So there's lots of different terminology for all of this. I like, I have been enjoying lately the terms deeper self and surface self. So I want to give you a few words on the surface self. Because this is what we find when we do this kind of self-work. We find the su- the surface self first, probably. Uh, so the surface self is sort of tied to the ego. It's like what we're aware of to some degree. It's what we're presenting. It's the it's not a persona per se necessarily, but it's a persona per se. Um, it's it's sort of this, you know. It is what it sounds like. It's this surface presentation. Uh, it gets us out of bed in the morning and on the bus. It's the, it's the part of us that gets dressed, um, and looks in the mirror. It's the part of us that projects our day, uh, as we're getting ready. You know, it's like, okay, I'm setting up this scenario, I'm going to this particular meeting, and I want this certain thing to happen, therefore I'm going to do this today. So it's this kind of like surface quality, like this thing that's externally manifesting itself all the time. And here's the thing, is that it motivates a very large percentage of how we beha- behave in the world. A very large percentage. Um, It's really how we initially The surface self is how we initially find our footing in the world So when we think through what we're good at And what we like to do We're often operating in this sense of surface self (laughs) My hamster is going crazy in the background It's very funny She's nocturnal so she's having a party now so anyway, the service self, because it has such an important role in how we present to the world and how others sort of view us and reflect us back to ourselves so much of the time, here, here's my word of caution to you. I'm going to turn my page now. Uh, in the initial stages of pursuit of the deeper self, there is a certain and unmistakable panic and anxiety that strikes for the surface self. In looking for the deeper self, the surface self begins to fight for its very life. It starts to claw for oxygen. (laughs) Because here's the thing, the surface self, its biggest job, its most important job is to protect us from the experience of rejection it's the self that we have decided is allowed to be seen and it will be the thing that keeps us from being rejected because i would argue that what we want more than anything in the world is to belong and not be rejected we want to be seen and unashamed So if you've seen this, you know what I'm talking about, this, this surface self clawing for its life, fighting for its life. Um, it's almost like a soldier. I mean, there's, there's a very, um, I can't remember where this is from, but there's a sort of an archetype of the loyal soldier self. And it's this self that's always protecting from rejection and from various unpleasant experiences. So, Um, it's a very loyal soldier. It's both of those things. It does both of those things very well. It is very loyal and it is very fighty. So the kinds of things that we notice when it starts, the surface self starts fighting for its life. When you start looking for this deeper self is things like doubt, self doubt, uh, shame, anxiety, panic, uh, impulsive behavior, stuff that you're kind of like, Why did I do that? Um, Because you're just so afraid of being rejected. You're so fearful that, you know, it protects this treasure to some degree. It's almost like the surface self is the protector of the treasure. Uh, It's this, it's this uh, watch guard of the deeper self. And it doesn't want the deeper self to get smashed to bits. Except there's a fallacy with that which is the deeper self cannot be smashed to bits. We'll get there in a second. Uh, but here's here's something else that I think is happening. The surface self, I think, experiences a lot of an- anxiety. Um, and I think it's, you know, because it's so well-trained, uh, it's, it's fighting. But at the same time, the deeper self is also, it's kind of like this interplay of, of, caution. So the, the surface self is having this caution about like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be exposed and I will be broken and rejected. And then the deeper self is sort of having this other kind of reluctance, which is, I don't want to be labeled. I don't want to be categorized. Um, measuring me reduces me. I think both are kind of happening a little bit when we start this search for the self, for the deeper self. I think we find, uh, you know, we're looking for unity with this deeper self, but I think what's really happening is there's a little bit of, uh, anxiety and fear that comes up in both, mostly in the surface self, but also a tiny bit in the deeper self, I think. Um, One of my favorite quotes, I think I've mentioned this book before. It's a deep one. I would not recommend, it's not light reading. (laughs) It's a little, uh, especially if you're a linear thinker, you're like, I've heard most linear thinkers say to themselves, like, I have no idea what this book is about. But St. Teresa of Avila, she has this book called Interior Castle. And in this book, she says, may the soul always cultivate her intention not to be vanquished. Oh. I love that it's like one of my favorite quotes in the world may the soul always cultivate her intention not to be vanquished so that's what the deeper self is kind of doing it doesn't want to be tamed it doesn't want to be domesticated it doesn't want to be uh reduced it doesn't want to be contained and made small so go nice and easy as you tread, and please, if I haven't said it enough already, please, 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 please remember. This is sacred ground. Um, remember a couple of weeks ago I talked about observing butterflies. It's like when you go in observing butterflies, you don't take a helicopter. That's not wise. When you go in to observe the soul, don't go in looking to categorize things and label things and subject them to Uh, reductionistic methods and measurement tools. It's trouble. Okay, next point. A quick word on the deeper self. Okay, so here are a couple of words that are used for the deeper self. Soul. Have you ever heard that? Like, we think we talk about soul sometimes, but I think what the deeper self can be called is the soul. I've also heard it described as where God and I are one. This place of harmony, uh, this place of freedom. And it's, you know, have you ever caught yourself saying something like, you know, deep down in my heart of hearts, you know, maybe you're referring to your deeper self. But what I really think the deeper self is, is it's this this mountain self that we talked about way back, almost 40 episodes ago, 40 weeks ago. Uh, I think it was in episode four that we talked about this, the mountain self. Uh, You know, there's the mountain and then there's the weather. We often, so the surface self is the weather and the deeper self is the mountain. It's like the surface self is going to pass away and it's tumultuous, and it's busy, and it's distracting, and it's like the hierography of the self. It's the flashy business. The mountain is the sort of, if you're not paying attention, you'll miss it, even though they're glorious and massive and awe-inspiring and breathtaking. They're only those things if you are paying attention to the fact that they are breathtaking and awe-inspiring etc. So this deeper self is the mountain self. It's you unshakable. Okay. There's that. That's, there's so much more I could say on that. I'm being so good right now, limiting myself so that we can all have the experience of being on time on this episode. (laughs) So the third point, what is all of this for, for what is all of this? Um, so like we discussed last episode in 42 unity within ourselves and with ourselves capital s selves matters I also I I I've seen too many times ways in which people are not safe for themselves they're not they're so afraid of what they're going to find in themselves in their true selves that they are self-rejecting in a lot of ways. And a person who's self-rejecting cannot accept other people. They cannot be unified with other people if they're cut off or fragmented from themselves. Fragmented selves often result in fragmented external relationships. And vice versa. United selves, people who are sort of unfragmented Find themselves in unfragmented relationships. And they're more able to attune and be one with those outside of themselves. I think that's the main purpose, by the way. So, when we talked last week about uh, integration, we talked about differentiation and linkage. So, differentiation is what we're talking about today. It's like, how am I me? And then this leads to great linkage with others, this unity with others. So, what's it for? The survival. The surface self is all about survival. The deeper self is all about thriving and flourishing. Now, I don't I don't at all mean to overpromise or oversell this deeper self on And you will experience so many interesting things. If you decide to go on this quest for the deeper self, you will experience things that absolutely terrify you. I mean, just, I'm talking cold sweat. And it's so weird because it's almost like, I mean, this is what I imagine when I think of awe. It's kind of like, uh, it's so massive. I'm trying to think of an example of like, something that I've seen and it's so massive oh I know what it I know I know this is a great example so um, I went to Hawaii not that uh, I can't remember probably 2010 something like that and um, I was I was in a raft in the ocean and I was on like a humpback whales watching tour thing And they have these little speakers that go down into the water so you can hear if there's a whale nearby. And this guy who's directing the tour, he's like, wow, yeah, there's one pretty close to us. And I'm not kidding. Out of nowhere, this humpback whale comes, I kid you not, at eight feet from our boat, from our raft. Something happened inside me. When I saw that, it was like, uh, this incredible awe. It was something that had the potential to crush me. And yet I knew I didn't want to go away from it. It was so powerful. It was such a powerful experience. The guy who was the tour guide, he, his face was, he was so surprised that it was that close and that he didn't know about it. It was just one of those things. Like that's a perfect example of mastery versus mystery. It's like you can do 250 whale tours and think, you know, exactly where one's going to pop up. And then out of nowhere, surprise, mystery gets, gets you. And, I'll, yeah, that was just, that's a really powerful experience. And I think that's probably pretty fair to compare this to. Uh, I don't want to overpromise or oversell this deeper self business, uh, the discovery of the deeper self, but it is both a place of extreme vulnerability, like that whale popping up eight feet from our raft and could have potentially knocked us over into the ocean. Uh, and this sublime awe this powerful, wordless goodness and freedom, by the way, Uh, vulnerability and sublime power and freedom. I think, and here's the big sell. I think the deeper self, and I sort of alluded to this earlier, I think, and I have experienced, I say this from a place of experience, the deeper self is like our original state of being naked and unashamed. When this humankind situation all started, naked and unashamed was a very foundational experience. This being seen and the other person seeing you is moving toward you still, that is a foundational experience that we are meant to have. And I genuinely believe that the discovery of the deeper self is part of that experience. It is where we feel that. It's where we experience naked and unashamed again. So I'm going to hit you with the invitation here. So sometime this week, and maybe, you know, I'm not sure what, uh, how long this will take. Because this could take longer than a week. I hope it takes longer than a week. This is an ongoing life project invitation to a life project. I want you to get a piece of paper or, you know, your phone notepad or your journal or, if you're me, a post-it or an index card. And um, I want you to make a list with two columns. Maybe a post-it's too small. So, yeah, something a little larger. Journal is a great place to do this if you have one. Uh, make a list with two columns. On one side, I want you to write an ongoing list of qualities that you observe about your surface self. This self that you have deemed as presentable and that will keep you from being rejected in the world. Uh, This survival self, I want you to write down the qualities and I don't want you to uh, please, please, please don't judge these qualities. Um, Be a non judgmental observer of these qualities, just notice it. And I'm going to come back to another way that we're going to be non judgmental to that in a second. But then in the second column, what I want you to do is I want you to write down any and all qualities that you observe about your deeper self. What are the things that you kind of, maybe you've glimpsed, or maybe you've basked in them? Um, These expansive, spacious, diverse uh, qualities that you've been attentive to at any point. And just let these lists kind of grow over time. Just let them expand and see what you find. But here's the thing that I want you to really really this is probably going to be where the main work is i want you to as you are the non-judgmental observation observer of these of these qualities i want you to look at that first list at some point and only you can decide when that is um i want you to look at that first list of the surface self the qualities of the surface self and you know because this is the loyal soldier at work um i want you to kind of say Thank you for your service. Thank you for how you have you have gotten me this far. And uh, you are dismissed. <laughs> you don't need to work so hard anymore. It's time to rest and retire. When you are ready. And only then. But we can't dismiss the surface self without first thanking it for all that it's done and how far it's gotten us because it's, uh, it's not bad. It's just, it just can't be where we stop if we want to flourish, (laughs) which I hope we do. I hope we do want to flourish. My blessing to you this week is this. This is another, uh, Teresa of Avila quote, one of my favorites. And this is on my desk. Listen, softly, the one you love is calling. So may you this week, my friends, hear this quiet, lovely, mysterious, and very almost, uh, awe inspiring, nervous, (laughs) nerve wracking voice of this one who loves you, who is calling you to this deeper place. And may you tread with honor and awareness of the sacred. And uh, may you find life. Take great care. See you next week.
1: I was only walking through your neighborhood, saw you light on honey in the Anywhere I go, there you are. Anywhere I go, there you are. And I've been getting used to waking up with you. I've been getting used to waking up here. Anywhere I go, there you are. Anywhere I go, there there you are. There you are. There you are. in my step, you're miles away but I still feel you Anywhere I go, there you are Anywhere I go, there you are And late at night, when you can't fall asleep I'll be lying right beside you, counting cheap Anywhere I go, there you are Anywhere I go, there you are there you are, there you are.